as we explore our experience. We see there are different processes at work. And there's quite a, there's several processes happening, particularly different processes happening in our mind. Um, and then there's also bodily processes. And I mentioned this a little bit last night in terms of the interrelationship between these processes, how our mental processes impact our physical processes. When I talked a little bit about pain and how a tension, a tightness, and aversion in our mental experience can impact how we're receiving, experiencing our physical experience. And so these are um, distinct processes, but interrelated processes. And one of the ways I found helpful, useful for beginning to recognize the mental processes that are at work, that are at work the variety of mental processes that are at work is to get familiar with and be able to distinguish what bodily processes are and what mental processes are. Kind of just thinking about it in that simple way of getting clear on the distinction between the two. Now this is, on face value, sounds easy, <laughs> but... Um, it's actually, there's, there's many ways that we conflate and confuse uh, the, uh, the, the diff- those two processes. If there are some times when um, we are relating to our physical experience through concept, for example, and not really recognizing that that's what's happening. And so to begin to get familiar with what actually, I sometimes call it the language of the body, you know, how the body actually speaks to us, how the body communicates with this, the mental processes. And there, there's, a, there's ways that the body, um, you know, the language the body uses to communicate with the mental processes. If we can get familiar with that, then we can begin to tease apart these two and begin to more clearly recognize some of these mental processes in distinction, contradistinction to these physical processes. Now these, these mental processes, of course, also are at work even relating to our other mental processes. So for example, you know, we can uh, um, um, I was thinking of emotion, for example. You know, emotion, there's a, a mental process at work around emotion. Also physical. I mean, this is one of the places where the two interrelate. But there is a mental process at work around emotion. And, you know, we might relate to that uh, emotion through concept just as we relate to our physical body through concept. But to begin with, it's easier to see, I think, at least for me, it was easier to recognize the distinction and to begin to get familiar with some of these processes in our mind by um, noticing the distinction between the physical and mental processes. Another reason these two are uh, challenging to um, 
tease apart is because the only way we know the physical processes is through our mental processes. The knowing itself is a mental process. You know, if consciousness were not present in this body, it would be a lump of earth. It wouldn't have consciousness. It wouldn't know itself. And so the mental process of knowing is one of those, uh, those processes that supports, that inter- inter- interacts with the physical process. And so um, we know the language of the body because of the, conscious, the consciousness in the mind. And so that's one of those mental processes at work, just the simple knowing. And so we, we have to mediate, in a way, our physical, the, our knowledge, our understanding of the physical processes through the mind. So the most direct kind of recognition of physical processes is to begin to get familiar with that, you know, the kind of direct sensation level experience of the body. Um, again, I sometimes use the, 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 the phrase, the language of the body. How does the body speak to us? How does the body communicate with the, the mental realm? And in terms of the physical body, that the touch sense of the body, that's the main one I'm going to, to just explore briefly this morning. Um, you know, this touch sense of the body communicates in terms of um, hardness, softness, weight, density. And this, in the language of the Buddha, this is the aspect of earth. It communicates to us through vibration, tingling, movement, pulsing. The uh, aspect of the air element. It communicates to us through the aspect of coolness and heat. This is the temperature, fire element. And it communicates with us through... um, the experience of moisture, cohesion, the aspect of the water element. And so we can get to know the body through this lens of the kind of more direct elemental experience. Just now, you know, sitting here, experiencing, you might recognize, for instance, in the earth element, the sense of this body as being earth, sitting on earth. You might have a sense of the mm, hardness or firmness aspect of the um, structure of the skeleton. The sense of the soft or malleable aspect of the muscles, the tissue. That would be connecting to the experience of earth. And then you might uh, recognize 
And perhaps some pulsing. If you put your attention in your hand, for instance, you might recognize some pulsing or tingling, vibration. If you pay attention to your rib cage, you might notice some movement of the body as the breath goes in and out. All of those are a manifestation of air element. And you might notice on your surface of your skin some temperature differences. One way to quickly get at this is to put your hand on your cheek. You might feel a difference in temperature there to highlight that element of temperature. And then moisture. A good place to explore that is in your mouth. Noticing the saliva in your mouth. You could run your tongue across your teeth and notice the slippery quality there. That's an aspect of water element. So this way of connecting with bodily experience, or this way that the actually I think of almost the body speaking to the mind, you know, these senses, the the the, the neural connections out to the edges of our body. Um, speaking to our nervous system and communicating with it. We actually don't so often consciously recognize that itself, the body, the way the body speaks to the mind itself. we're, We're more often coming to our experience... You know, we we experience something out on the the end of our arm. You know, we may, at the, you know, at the level of the the um, the body. You know, it's like picking up a glass, for example, like this. You know, I, as I do that, if I'm if I'm aware and mindful, I feel weight, I feel pressure, I feel hardness. But if I'm just doing it kind of normally, I feel a hand picking up a glass. You know, I, I, I think I feel a hand picking up a glass. But that's concept. The actual communication from the body is at a much more elemental level. But we usually relate to our experience through concept. So that's, a, a, that's actually a very important place to recognize because um, that's where delusion can enter in to our uh, it's kind of like we separate we separate our um, or our minds are separating our experience from the knowing of it and putting this concept in between. Now, concepts are extremely useful. You know, it is not, it's, it's a very natural functioning of the mind that creates these concepts. And this is, this is one of those processes of mind, is the creation of concept, 
This is one of those processes that is at work in our mind. It's a very rudimentary concept, a very rudimentary process that creates concepts. And it's incredibly useful to us. It's like a, it's like a shortcut in our mind for navigating the world. And we don't have to uh, figure out every time we walk into the dining room. We don't have to figure out what the kitchen is. I mean, what what the what the table is, and that this part is food, and that this part is, you know, serving utensil. It's just automatic. You know, we know that. But what's coming into our eyes is just form and color. Our our experience, our um, living in the world, has given us the information about what's edible, what's not edible. So the concepts are extremely useful to us because they allow us to very quickly navigate the world. You know, we learn all of these concepts as, as babies, pretty much. But the, the place delusion enters in is that we uh, don't recognize that we're relating to the world through concepts. Instead, we take the concept to be what's there. And the uh, kind of peace around this that's so important to recognize or understand is that concepts are very prone to be altered based on other things that are happening in our minds. So if we are confused or angry or frustrated or wanting, that will impact how we recognize things. It's like the filters that we've been talking about, the, the, the filters. Well, they, they, they change how we take things in. So just a simple example, you know, I, I was experiencing quite a bit of um, uh, aversion on one walking meditation <coughs> and um, walking back and forth. Uh, I knew that I was averse. I knew that the aversion was there and I turned around and my eyes landed on some shoes at the end of the pathway and the mind exploded in anger. It's like, who put those shoes there? You know, it's like they, they were just this neutral thing, these neutral shoes, but the mind took it in through this filter of, uh, <coughs> of anger. And then our, um, the other thing around our perceptual process is that it's very prone to error. You know, it's not, it's not actually, it's pretty good. You know, it's, I'd say, you know, I don't know, some 90% of the time, I mean, I'm just making up a number, some 90% of the time, it's relatively representing what's out there. But some 10% of the time, it's completely off. It just is not receiving the information correctly. It hears something and creates the idea it knows what that sound represents and believes it and then relates to the experience through that belief of what we think we've perceived. 
I'll probably, I think I'll give a talk on this topic in a few days because it's such an important area of where delusion can enter into our experience. Mostly today I want to encourage you to begin to look at when you're relating to experience through a concept and when are you actually touching into the direct experience. You know, what's actually happening in your experience? That's that's a, that's a question we can explore. Other processes at work um, in our minds, besides this concept-making process, um, kind of more th- some of the more obvious processes at work are our reactive processes, the processes of emotional um, and well, it's, it's broader than emotion in a way, what we normally think of in, as emotion. But it, it contains emotions. But, but things like um, um, boredom, uh, confusion would be included in this realm. You know, liking, not liking. This, this, the, the, the mind um, has a set of processes at work that the, the, the Pali for this is Sankara. It's uh, formations, mental formations. And the uh, place or the process that's kind of crucial in this is the intentionality um, that these processes are connected with, the decision-making, the, um, uh, the choice that's involved in these processes. So as something happens in our experience, you know, a pain in the knee, we like it, we don't like it, usually not liking in this case, you know, so there's that, the pain and there's a not liking of it. That's a process in our minds that's separate from the perceptual process that recognizes the sensations, separate from the, sep- uh, the perceptual processes that recognizes kind of the location in the body where that experience is happening. There is this relationship to the experience, the liking, not liking. And then as we've been really been exploring, I think a lot of what we've been exploring is how those uh, filters impact what we are uh, experiencing. So a question sometimes to, uh, to check in about, you know, if you're experiencing something and having a reaction to it, what is actually happening here? There's the reaction, but what's actually happening? What's the actual experience? You know, this... I can't think of a a really good example at the moment, but maybe something like um, being in a conversation with somebody and um, they make a face. An expression crosses their face. And we uh, immediately have a response to that and it kind of hooks into a whole set of processes of uh, beliefs, ideas, uh, conditioning, you know, how people have responded to us in the past and um, what we think it means. 
And so the whole, like, whole host of formed processes at work there. And perhaps because that expression has crossed that person's face, we feel like, oh, that person doesn't like me. So you know, we've seen something. We've seen some, something happening. And we've created this uh, belief or, uh, you know, based on all of our conditioning, we've created ideas about what that means. What actually happened was we saw that there was the seeing of a change of expression on the person's face. And, um, you know, maybe they had some gas. <laughs> you know, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what happened there. So, uh, you know, so that's a question. You know, what actually do I know happened? You know, what, what's the actual experience? So com- seeing if we can come back to that. So there's that whole host of uh, emotional reactivity, liking, not liking, believing, constructing ideas, opinions, all around um, this area of uh, mental formation. Then on a kind of a subtler level, another mental process is the process that recognizes things as being pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And this is a, an important um, area to explore because this is the place, this kind of really basic, along with the kind of basic way that our body communicates to us, our body and mind both, well, it's, it is understood as a mental process. Like, um, and even the bodily feeling, even feelings of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral in our body are understood to be the, the mental in the mental realm. Uh, and, you know, I actually recently read that, that um, I was reading a book about how our brains work, and um, that was corroborated by the brain because the experience of pleasant, unpleasant apparently happens somewhere in the lower brain, in the brain stem. You know, that's where it's all put together, the, the, the experience of pleasant, unpleasant, even coming from our body. So, um, you know, the pleasant, unpleasant aspect of experience, whether mental experience or physical experience, is a, a process that happens in the mind. And that process uh, is separate from the process that recognizes experience. It's separate from the process that decides what it likes and doesn't like, what it reacts to. So again, it's, it's, uh, there are these interweaving processes in our minds. And this process of things being pleasant, unpleasant is important because uh, that is the doorway or the, the, the experience, the springboard off of which much of our reactivity comes. That that is actually the foundation of most of our liking, not liking. So being able to recognize pleasant is happening, unpleasant is happening, neutral is happening, is a a, a good way to um, what's the word I want to use? Um, circumvent the leaping off of that 
to reactivity. So our bodies have the, um, you know, the direct sensations of tingling, vibration, pulsing, etc. And, you know, then there's also the body's um, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, the very, um, uh, the, the sense receptors of the skin are very attuned to pleasant, unpleasant. Um, you know, the sense receptors uh, very quickly tell us whether something is pleasant or unpleasant. So again, distinguishing the, uh, these aspects of experience. You know, we might think, uh, you know, one, of the, one of the explorations I've, I've made is like looking at, you know, what the actual sensation is versus the pleasant, unpleasant aspect of it. And this is where, you know, we move from the the sensation into concept and then believe that what we don't like is the concept or the sensation but what we we may not actually recognize that what we don't like is the feeling itself and so that's another another uh, avenue of exploration to begin to to distinguish what's what's the physical sensation and what's the feeling One of the important explorations around these processes is that they are completely interactive. They condition each other. So sensation in the body conditions a mental response. Very simple. Hunger in the body conditions a desire to eat. Quite simple. Um, mental experience can condition our body. So, for example, we have a reaction. The mind reacts with anger. And the body responds. Pressure, heat, tightness, tension. So again, there's a, there's a kind of the direction from the body. If there's a body sensation, the mind responds. When there's a mental experience, the body responds. So there's very much a back and forth between these two. So exploring the cause and effect relationship between these two, between these, these terrains of all of these different processes, is a way to begin also to understand the not-self nature of this whole mind-body process. We see that it's just processes conditioning and interacting with each other. And so the encouragement today is to begin to recognize, hmm, actually I won't say that, the encouragement is to continue your practice as usual. Um, (laughs) You may begin to recognize, you may begin to recognize some of these bodily processes at work. You may begin to recognize some of these mental processes at work. Again, you know, describing these things, describing what is possible to see can, can begin to highlight uh, these processes. And, and you may begin to see some of these interactions. You know, all of this is pointing to um, a deeper understanding 
of what is actually happening. We live our lives so much through our beliefs, our ideas of what's happening. So the encouragement coming into experience to see if you can recognize what is actually happening. And what's happening are all these processes at work. And we can see that. We can see these processes. <laughs> 